Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. Good morning. Did you know that Jesus sings? Amen, Amen Mick says. <laughs> it's, it's not something I had really thought a lot about. I, I've thought a lot about Jesus as our intercessor, one who prays for us, sits at the right hand of God and intercedes for us, which is powerful. But I hadn't thought a lot about being one who sings. But it's true, in several places in Scripture, we find that Jesus, the Son of God, raises up his voice and sings. And here's why it was a little confusing to me, because there's nothing wrong with Jesus singing, it's just that our Savior, he seems better equipped to be the recipient, like the silent recipient of praise, right? Instead of the one who's actually praising or, or singing and worshiping. But yet, Jesus sings. So what I want to do this morning as we continue our Better Together series is simply walk us through some passages that help us understand why it is important that we sing. It's, why, is it, why do we do this? Why on a Sunday morning do we come into this place and sing songs and, and want to encourage people from their, their living rooms or wherever they find themselves to actually not just sit on the couch and watch us, but actually to participate in song? Why, why do we do that? And so I want to get into a message on that today. And so the first thing I want to look at in that is when did Jesus sing? So we need to start there. When did Jesus sing? So I said it, but let's look at where he did it. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you do. We want to look at where we find that Jesus sings. So I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26. So Matthew 26, verse 26, a familiar passage if you've been in the church about the Last Supper, and this is where we find it. So reading in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 26, it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So what you'll find is we read the passage in Matthew, but you'll find a, a similar passage, a parallel passage in the New Testament book of Mark, chapter 14, verse 26, where it says that Jesus and the disciples sang a hymn and then went to the Mount of Olives. Now, that doesn't mean they sang the old rugged cross, right? Because there was not yet the old rugged cross. All those songs that we call hymns, they didn't come until 18, 1900 years after we find this moment here recorded in, in Matthew. So what our passage says, when it says that they sang a hymn, what it's talking about, it's actually talking about the type of song that they sang. And a hymn is a song about God. And this is something we'll talk about in a few moments. What's the difference between different types of songs? So we find that Jesus, he's just celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples. And as part of that celebration, as was tradition, they sang a psalm that was a hymn. So that could be confusing. A psalm that was a hymn before they concluded their meal. But in short, here's what we know. Jesus sang. We need to know that today. 
But not only did Jesus sing after the Last Supper, we find in the New Testament book of Hebrews that Jesus participates in singing a song of praise. Reading from Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 9. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. So the writer of Hebrews, he's writing about Jesus here. Crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist, and bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. So the writer of Hebrews is talking about Jesus here. He's quoting a line from Psalm 22, but he does this to illustrate the solidarity of Christ with his believers. Apparently, Jesus is committed to participating in community worship. That was really powerful for me to think about. But, but this makes sense when you consider his commitment to local synagogues during his years of ministry. We find many passages. He was committed to the local synagogue. I, I think this also helps us explain why Jesus sang with the disciples. At the Last Supper, Jesus raised his voice in worship of the Heavenly Father. He shared in the life of the disciples, participating in their human experience. He was their brother, our passage says. So Jesus, as our perfect worshiper, he sang hymns to the Father. Why? Because he's our brother. But this also leads us why it's important for us to sing. We, we see that Jesus sang, but why is it important that we sing? Well, number one, we should sing because Jesus did. We want to walk in his steps. If for no other reason this morning, that should be enough. We see how Jesus sang after the Last Supper, after the, the Passover meal. The timing of the song, it's right before that Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's, it's shortly before his arrest and trial. Let me say this this morning. There is something about singing and praying and the enduring effect it has on our lives. Look, if you're struggling right now, could I ask you, what kind of time are you spending in prayer? What kind of time are you spending in singing? There's something about those things, those qualities in our life that allows us to endure difficult things. And then there's a couple of passages we find in the New Testament that tells us what kind of benefit singing has. I'm going to look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Paul writes the, the church in Colossae, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with all thankfulness in your hearts to God. So that's what he tells us. And so embedded in those verses is not only the types of songs we sing, but the benefits that brings with them. We find a, a similar passage in Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul writes, Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There it is again, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So in these verses, what we find is we find three different songs and three di different benefits that we can expect from them. So the first type of song is we see, he says, sing with psalms. A psalm is a song of praise. It's a song to God. Uh, an example of this type of song could be the song, How Great Thou Art. That's a song to God. Or, or from the songs that we sang today, Yeshua. That was a song to God. It was a song to Jesus. 
So that's a psalm. The next type of song that we have is, is a hymn. And this is what Jesus sang with the disciples after the Last Supper. It's a song of doctrine, a song about God. So psalms are songs to God. Hymns are songs about God. An example of this type of song could be the song, Let the Steadfast Love of the Lord, the Steadfast Love of the Lord. Uh, an example of, of what we sang this morning, What a Beautiful Name. That's a song of doctrine about God. And then the third type of song we find is spiritual songs. These are songs of testimony or exhortation. These songs are to self or to us as a congregation. An example of this kind of song could be Amazing Grace. That's a spiritual song. Or, or from today, the song that we open with My Testimony. That's a spiritual song. And what we find as we sing these three types of songs is that there's three different benefits that arise from each one. The first one is singing uh, as we sing. The first is singing ministers to God as we sing songs of praise to him. So as we sing a psalm, it's something that ministers to God. That's powerful. Here's the second benefit, though. Singing ministers to our minds as we sing songs of doctrine about him. It ministers to our minds. And then we also see that as we sing with our spirits, we sing songs of testimony about one another, spiritual songs. So there's a ministry to God, to our minds, and to our spirits. And all three do something different. And that's why it's so important. Part of what you may not actually know is our music team, when they're putting together a song list, they're looking at the type of song that it is. Because they want us, as a congregation, to minister to the Lord. They want you to be ministered to in your mind and ministered to in your spirit. That's part of the benefits of us gathering in congregational song. But Paul didn't just encourage the believers in Colossians and Ephesians to sing. We find in scripture he sang too. Reading from Acts chapter 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, so this is about Paul, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Isn't that interesting? I don't want to get into this passage this morning, but there's a lot of things in this passage that are interesting to me. It's interesting that this girl has a spirit of divination and she's like testifying to who these witness, uh, these apostles are and that, and she kept doing so for many days. This is one of my favorite verses, a motivation for ministry. Think about this motivation. Paul having become greatly annoyed, that's an interesting motivation for ministry, right? <laughs> Turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful to us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet into the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What do we do in the midst of trouble and hardship? We pray and sing psalms. We pray and sing songs. That's what we should be doing. And the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. 
But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembled with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I love that. What must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So Paul writes the churches in Colossae and Ephesians. He says, we need to sing. And we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And they all have a different benefit as we do that. And then we have this testimony of he's at midnight praying and singing, and all the prisoners are listening. And here's a big benefit of singing, according to this passage. Singing has a potential to set people free. It has a potential to set you free. It has a potential to set others free. Because notice this passage. It wasn't just Paul and Silas whose door was open and bonds were unfastened. All of them were. There is something about our singing that has the capacity to set people free. So if you can't just sing for yourself, let's sing for others too. I love this about this passage. That night, think about this. Not only were the the people in prison set free, but the jailer and his family were set free that night. His entire family was baptized into the kingdom. They were set free for all of eternity. So I want us to consider this this morning. Why is it important we sing? Here's a long list. Jesus did it. Paul did it singing ministers to God, singing ministers to our minds, singing ministers to our hearts, singing sets us free and it sets others free. Is that enough reasons this morning? It's important we sing. But in case you need one more, I'll give it to you. Singing provides us endurance for the kingdom mission we're on. That's another reason. I kind of alluded to it, but I want to come back to that this morning because this is a really important one. As As we think about this passage in the context of what we've been walking through, how do we endure to the end? Singing's a part of that. Because remember, we have a king. We live in a kingdom. God's word is our guide, and we have a mission to fulfill, and that mission requires endurance. Endurance is found, how have we looked at it? In community, through giving, through rest, through prayer, through fasting, and now we're gonna add to that singing. And I find it interesting that both Jesus and Paul, they're mentioned singing right before difficult circumstances or in the middle of difficult circumstances. Jesus, he's about to go to the cross. Paul, he's sitting in prison. And I also find it interesting, our text says they're both singing hymns. That's what our scripture says. So I consider the type of songs that they're singing. You want to know what they're singing? They're singing about God. Because they understand, I have frailty, but God is God. And if I want to have God confidence instead of self-confidence, I need to sing about him. That's what they were doing when they were singing hymns. It's understood that Jesus and the disciples, that they would have been singing some portion of Psalm 114 and 118. It was most likely sung antiphonally, where Jesus led the disciples. He would sing a line, and the disciples would respond, hallelujah. So back and forth, they have this banter as they go through this psalm. And here's what I want to look at. I want to look at that Psalm 118, that they were singing back and forth that night. Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. So Jesus sings that line, and the disciples sing back, hallelujah. Think about what Jesus is about to face. But instead of looking at his circumstances, he raises his eyes and he looks to the God who runs heaven and all of earth. And then we continue the passage. He says, let Israel say, 
His steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called to the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. So what is Jesus doing in this psalm? I want us to think about, he's about to be arrested and tried and, and, and imprisoned and then put up on a cross. But what does he know? My God will set me free. No matter what comes, my God will do it. The Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord to trust in man. Live on that verse right now. It is better to trust in the Lord, have refuge in him, than to trust in man. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. I shall not die, but I shall live. Jesus will be resurrected. And recount the deeds of the Lord. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is about to happen. This is the Lord's doing. Can you, can you think about that? This is the Lord's doing. What Jesus is about to walk through, this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. Can we say that when we walk through hardship? This is marvelous. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Can we say that as we walk through hardship? This is what Jesus is singing with the disciples and he knows what's about to come. Save us, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. And Jesus knows that he will do it. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God. He has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God. I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Jesus is about to face some incredible hardship. He's about to go to the cross. But where does he keep his vision? On God. There is something about singing and praying. I'll put those two together because that's what we find in Scripture. Praying and singing, that helps us to endure the hard things that we face in life. So how are you doing facing difficult circumstances, maybe at work or, or at home? Are you taking time to pray? Are you taking time to sing? Is singing a part of the regular rhythms of your life? If not, it needs to be. In a, in a great book, if you've not read it, I would always recommend it. It's, it's one of my top reads, The Insanity of God. An incredible book on the persecuted church. And, and in it, the author cites several examples of men and women of faith who sang during times of imprisonment and hardship. He called them heart songs. And here's what I would put before you this morning. Every one of us, if you are a follower of Jesus, you need to have some heart songs. And I would say, I don't know what those will be for you, but you need to find some songs that are simple to sing and you need to play them over and over in your car, in your home, in the shower, wherever that might be. You need to, so that they become embedded in your soul. Uh, for, for me, uh, for Shelly and I, uh, Sarah and I have similar backgrounds. We grew up in different parts of the country, but we both grew up in homes where we had Sunday night church. Most of my heart songs come from my childhood days of Sunday night church times at the altar. Songs like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know this song? Th those are the songs. And these are the songs that Shelly and I would sing our kids to sleep. They're the songs that our kids have learned. Other songs, I come to the garden alone. All, those are the songs that I sing. So if I'm going through the office, those are the songs I'm singing. 
One of our, our <laughs> office employees at one point said, you know, you're a young pastor who sings old songs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> those are the ones that stuck. So that's what I'm going to sing. And so here's what I encourage you. You need to find some heart songs. It will help you endure things in life. It just will. And as we close in song after our next point, let's stand and sing. Let's minister to God. Let's allow those songs to minister to our mind and minister to our hearts. Don't miss an opportunity, especially on a Sunday morning. Don't miss an opportunity. As we come together to, to sing together, don't miss an opportunity to be ministered to and to minister to God. It's important that we sing. Why? Because we need to have the God confidence we need in life. And singing does it. And when we sing, uh, here's my favorite point this morning. Uh, I had never considered this in scripture until working through this. I've never preached on Jesus in singing. So diving into this, this was my favorite point. When we sing, you might not be aware, we're singing with Jesus. Yes. We're singing with Jesus. Yes. Uh, another place we find in scripture of Jesus singing is in the book of Romans. You can turn with me or scroll on your phone to Romans chapter 15. Starting in verse 8, here's what Paul writes. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. So Paul's writing in the church in Rome and he quotes from Psalm chapter 18. But in the original Psalm, what we find in the Old Testament is the singer is engaged in, in more than just a solo. The psalm included the instrument, included instruments, it says, to the choir master. So this is congregational singing. So when David performs this psalm, he's serving more like a worship leader than a solo artist. The psalm of corporate worship is led by a worship leader. And the worship leader, he set his sights on something larger than just the Jewish nation. This worship leader intends to lead worship among all the Gentile nations. This worship leader will sing not in spite of the Gentiles. This worship leader will sing among the Gentiles, which in case you're unaware, that's us. He sings among us. And Paul is using this psalm to reference Jesus. The resurrected Christ, he's a victor, and he's taken his place as our global worship leader. And what's the result of his worship leading? Let's look at verse 10. Let's continue in the passage. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, and him will the Gentiles hope. That's the result of our singing. So in short, the risen Messiah, he confesses and praises the divine name among the Gentiles and brings about their salvation. Jesus sings over us. He sings with us. And this is what was amazing to me, that, that God is worshipped around the globe as a result of the work Jesus did on earth through his death, resurrection, and ascension. And so in this way, Jesus is the perfect worshiper of his father. But then we also find from heaven, Jesus fulfills the role of church, chief worship leader of the global church. So in short, behind the corporate worship at Connection Point Church, behind the music team, as they're up here leading us in song, is our mediator, our brother, the perfect worshiper, and our perfect worship leader, Jesus Christ. Behind it all, it's him. In him, all of our worship is brought together into one global choir of praise to the Father. It's incredible this morning. Before we even woke up today, there were people in other parts of this world already singing praises to Jesus. 
and Jesus was leading that worship. We find in scripture, Jesus sang, and guess what? He sings still. Which means when we sing, we're singing with Jesus. What an incredible opportunity we have when we gather to sing. So as the music team comes back this morning, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 22. This is the psalm the writer of Hebrews was quoting from in the first point this morning. So starting in verse one. So the writer of Hebrews quotes this psalm and Jesus, when he's on the cross, you'll, you'll, the opening phrase, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus says this on the cross in order to quote this psalm because what this psalm describes is about what's to happen. And I want us to see what's about to happen. Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Part of the reason we talk about singing as a place of guaranteed encounter is because of this verse. That it says, as we sing, God the Father is enthroned on our praises. That he's here in the midst of us. But I want us to note, who is the one that's leading the charge of that worship? where God can be enthroned. He says, in you our fathers trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. So Jesus quotes the first line of this psalm, and where is he at on the cross? And he says, they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Jesus is describing his situation, and this is a passage written a thousand years before this ever happens. But Jesus knows what he's in the middle of. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. I will tell of your name to my brothers. Here's what the Hebrew writer writes. So he's quoting from the psalm. Jesus is on the cross. This is all happening to him. But what's the result? I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of my congregation, I will praise you. So Jesus... He goes to the cross, he's crucified, but as our resurrected Messiah, here's what he now does. He praises his name among us. Jesus is here. As we sing, he's leading us in song where God the Father is enthroned on our praises. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. So then he admonishes us. If we fear the Lord, let's praise him. Which doesn't mean fear, we're afraid, but have regard, respect, reverence, and honor. For who God is, all you offspring of Jacob glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. We're a part of the great congregation, the global congregation that has been singing about him already all day. And we're just entering into that song now. From you comes my praise. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nation shall worship before you. Jesus, our chief worship leader, leading us. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. So as we sing his praises, Jesus as our chief worship leader leading us. He's been leading all day and he's leading us still. He sings among us as we lift up the praises of God the Father who is enthroned on our praises. And what are we doing? We're actually singing for those who are yet to come. And aren't we glad that for 2,000 years people have been singing for us who were one day unborn, but now we're here and we get to sing his praises too. So we pay it forward. We continue in song and we continue singing his praises. Led by Jesus. Led by Jesus. So I would say this, if you've held back in singing songs, you feel like, this is weird. I don't sing. 
I don't sing in the car. I don't sing in the shower. I don't ever sing. Well, guess what? There's something about singing and Jesus is leading us. So we need to sing when we gather. And if you're at home right now, you need to stand up when we close in song and you need to sing with us. This is not a performance. This is an opportunity for us to engage in worship with the King of Kings. I'm going to invite the music team to to fill in here because we're going to jump into song in a moment. And one final verse before the music team leads us. Reading from Zephaniah chapter 3. The writer writes, The Lord your God is in your midst. The Lord our God is in our midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. We got some amens from people who are like, that's right. It's in scripture, loud singing. Not mouse singing. Loud singing. So as we close in song, let's stand, let's sing. Sing with our Savior. Sing to our Savior. Be led by our Savior. So that as we sing, we can participate. We can sing hallelujah to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, our resurrected Savior, our global worship leader. Let's sing with him.